Welcome to Day Zero Update for October 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Dan Red Victoria. And yeah, we've got a full crew and a full slate of news. There's a ton of stuff going on. Yes, there uh, is. We've got some updates for games, Halloween events and such. We got a big new showcase happening next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. We got some release dates announced and some stuff being shown off. Uh, new hardware for the new Xboxes. We got a bunch of delays. Yeah. Uh, some acquisitions and publisher deals and such, and a few mm-hmm. new game announcements that are pretty interesting. So, as well as a a big update on the Activision Blizzard stuff. Mm-hmm. So we will be getting to that stuff here in a little bit. But before we do, we'll be talking about what we have been playing. I'll yeah. kick it off here. I've uh, been playing Horizon Chase Turbo, mainly their uh, Santa Forever DLC. They just put out the expansion, which is only like six bucks. Uh, for what it is, but mm-hmm. it adds a whole new section to the to the game. It's based around uh, the famous uh, F1 driver, Ayrton Senna, who uh, died tragically when he was pretty young, I think mm-hmm. in his 30s. But this has uh, two different modes to it. There's the campaign, the career mode, mm-hmm. and then there's the championship mode. And the career mode's pretty neat. It's kind of similar to uh, some of the other uh, campaign stuff in the game though, since it's set around sort of a sport, the the way it progresses sort of telling like five different chapters of his career. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the first one, you kind of start off with a uh, decent amount of races, seven of them. Uh, Then it expands to, I think nine in the second chapter and 10 in the the third. I assume it gets uh, more and more after that, Uh, but covering uh, a number of the circuits that he had raced uh, throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not the exact replications of those tracks, but they are sort of inspired by that stuff. So that's uh, a neat little thing, especially when you get to uh, their version of uh, the Monaco Grand Prix track, that kind of stuff. Uh, the US one, I don't, know why but it's the only track that i've seen so far where the uh the gas and the uh the turbo boost that mm-hmm. show up near the near the finish line in a lap uh, are reversed and it fucks me up every single time uh, especially when you get uh some of the goals for each of the races it's like oh get you know gas on the second lap or you know get you know the turbo on the first lap that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the they've removed a little bit of the obstacles to progression that were in sort of the main campaign, where you were kind of based on uh, how many of the objectives you did and how many gold medals you got in the races would uh, limit how far you could get mm-hmm. uh, what new races unlocked for you. So you'd have to go back and replay stuff. Here, there's a bit more leniency on that, where I think it's just the finish in the previous race that unlocks the next race. Uh, and the early ones are a lot of like uh, finish at least fifth or third in a lot mm. of the the first chapter, like the second chapter is a lot of just finish third. Uh, and the second, uh, the third chapter has a lot of stuff about finishing second or third. So uh, you get some uh, leeway there going into the earlier tracks, but the later ones they demand a bit more from you. But it's not hasn't been super hard. Uh, it's just a matter of. 
uh, doing some uh, interesting things. Like before you start the race, you get to pick your strategy, which is usually mm-hmm. just uh, one of these three like boosts you can get. One is for uh, rainy tracks and uh, tracks with a lot of turns. The uh, sort of a boosted tire, but you mm-hmm. use up more fuel. There's one for just better aerodynamics, so you're uh, able to go a bit faster. Uh, I think you're using a little less fuel in that first option, but still more than the third option, which is sort of you've got a bigger gas tank, essentially, and uh, an extra boost out Mm. of it. So uh, you pick between those three. uh, But yeah, the, the vehicles also get better with each of the tracks because you get a... You know, you usually with a new team, so you got a better vehicle and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of those tracks you remember from the, the first chapter a little bit harder when you get to go a lot faster mm. uh, for that. So, But yeah, that, that mode's pretty fun as you're trying to uh, go through and sort of see uh, sort of iconic parts of his career. And then there's the championship mode, which is more of a... Uh, a randomized uh, set of races that it picks for you. There's like three difficulties. So you get like six races in the first one, I think nine and then 12. Uh, so you go through most of them with the, the ultimate difficulty. Uh, you're just trying to get first, you know, it's the sort of tiered uh, racing points. Mm-hmm. I think the first six uh, racers get points that you always start back in the 20th spot. Uh, for that, so got to work your way up. Uh, the one issue I do have with it is that it seems like the they have only like a set amount of ways for finishes to go on those races, as far as like the way everybody places. Uh, so in the, the championship mode, uh, it was just the me and the the second place guy that were trading back and forth wins, and everybody else finished in the same exact uh, spot. So there's no real threat other than just, uh, am I going to finish first or not Uh, for any sort of the points to change up, uh, which was annoying. Uh, The same thing kind of happens in the, the main career mode, but it's not as big of a deal, but just kind of a kind of annoying to see the, uh, the same people finishing in the same spots every time, or it could be uh, a little bit better. if it was a bit more dynamic with that stuff. Uh, so that's maybe the one issue I saw with it so far. So that's mm. the Santa Forever expansion, six bucks out on all yeah. platforms. It's on. Uh, well worth it if you want some more of that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get new fancy F1 style cars, like a first person mode. I don't know why you'd want to actually drive that game with that, but that's a thing you can do if you want. So yeah, that's a that's a pretty good expansion for that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also, been playing No Man's Sky. They yeah. have a a new event going on. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about that later. But yeah, it's Halloween themed, so it's spooky. Uh, you start the planet you start on is very much a it's an extreme heat, and at night it's extreme cold. You'll get firestorm uh, storms to show up every once in a while, and uh, there are these immortal worms that show up constantly popping out of the ground and flying around. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, weird stuff you got to do. You got to run to these mm. worm burrows to shoot these uh, tendril 
things that pop out, which then give you like fleshy rope, as they call it. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun little weird spooky names for the various items that are specific to this. Oh, uh, yeah. This whole ex- expedition. But mm. yeah, streamed it for the, the past two days, basically finished up, uh, or at least I got out of the system, but I finished up a number of the quests that mm. could be done on that first planet that you start on. Uh, the only other ones I have really left to do seem to be based on later things. So got to my second system, but it's not where the first rendezvous points for the final for the first phase uh, to work on. So still got a bit more to do there, but I'm working on that. Mm. But uh, yeah, that's been fun to get back into that. Uh, also been playing some more Rocket League. Finished up all the uh, challenges for the Halloween event which is Batman-themed. Mm-hmm. So I've got all the special cosmetic stuff they have for that. I've played a little bit of the the, the version of Rumble mode that they have for uh, this event, which is all Batman-themed. So like when you freeze the the ball, it's got a Mr. Freeze icon mm-hmm. on it. Uh, let's see, there's the the grappling hook that you use to pull the ball with you. That's a Batarang. Uh, let's see, there's the... Yeah, the uh, the glove that you use to punch the ball uh, is a Joker-ish mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, it's all Batman-themed versions of the power-ups. And the stage itself is just kind of a... Like, it's a Night Rain version of the arena they use for that, so... It's pretty well for what it is. So that's uh, been fun. I picked up a game a couple weeks ago called The Pedestrian for PS5. Uh, I think this is on a bunch of different platforms, but this is... Uh, this is a puzzle game, essentially, mm-hmm. where you are playing a character on a sign, essentially like the the male female uh, type thing in the you know restroom signs. They ask you to pick which one you want to use, and that's what you're controlling. Mm. Uh, but you're moving between signs; it just goes throughout the world. Uh, there's exits that will go, and you'll just keep holding you know left or right, whatever you're using to exit. And I'll just move along until you get to the next sign and do a puzzle there. Usually uh, the neat thing is that at points you will run into puzzles where you have to, where you have like a handful of signs around mm-hmm. with exits and uh, ladders and other stuff that lets you move between them. But you have to set, set them up in specific orders because they can't be attached if they're not, you know, next to each other or at least, some sort of uh, simple connection between them. Uh, mm-hmm. So you're going to have to rearrange things around to figure out like, Oh, where's, where does this need to be set up? Where do this need to be? These doors need to be connected and these letters to connect to let you get around. And yeah, I've gotten a few areas in and they have some neat ways of throwing wrinkles on there. Like there are doors now. So you have to uh, set one sign on top of another to move between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, though you can't move back through the door. So there's a neat puzzle where you kind of have to keep moving this around uh, through these doors to get to where you need to go. Mm-hmm. They've also thrown more wrinkles like others. There's uh, bolts in this sign, so you can't move it. Mm. Uh, that kind of stuff. So it's a fun little game for uh, the thing that it's going for. Definitely recommend checking that out if you're into that kind of style. Uh, but yeah, that's. That's the pedestrian. Uh, also been playing uh, some Dragon Quest on the Switch. 
Mm-hmm. Jumped back into that after not playing it for a little while, uh, pulling out a a guide because I had no clue where I was at and what I was doing. So I had to kind of backtrace what I was doing, which luckily that game is not super complex, mm. but it just has you going around on the map uh, in various different ways. So you cross back on places you've been to before that makes it easy to get lost if you're not 100% sure where you're at. Uh, but I think I'm in like the last couple stretches there. Uh, I had to do a lot of grinding, even though I'd been kind of grinding for a good bit uh, to beat this big uh, golem that was uh, guarding a city. Mm-hmm. It required me, the point that I got to it where I was just killing enemies pretty easily. Uh, I was at like level 14 and I had to get up to 17 to beat it. Uh, I was just getting wiped out by it. Cause at 17, you get a better heal. Uh, whereas the first heal you have will basically uh, keep you in kind of the same place mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, but the, the next one rec- recovers like a good half of your health or so. So you kind of get a chance to get at least one hit in one or two hits in there. So that's kind of where I'm at on that. Uh, I was pleasantly or maybe unpleasantly surprised when I jumped back into it. I was like, oh, yeah, this game's ugly as hell. Mm. So I redid all the character art uh, for it that looks nothing like the original game does or what you expect out of uh, a Dragon Quest sort of 2D game to look like. Uh, so that was uh, unfortunate, but... Still enjoying it. I'll probably be beating it here sometime in the next week or so. Uh, but also been playing more Metroid Dread. Uh, as I mentioned on Let's Weekend, I sort of got over a hump in the game where mm. it throws in a new type of enemy that just utterly pissed me off mm. to the point I was thinking about just dropping the game for a while. Because mm. it was just so frustrating and so different from any other encounter where it felt like an enemy that had no... Uh, like I had to had infinite uh, you know health points to it, so like because everything I was doing it, there was no sign of when it was when I was getting anywhere close to beating it. No change in the way it was attacking or anything. Mm. Nothing that signifies to you like oh I'm doing the right thing. Uh, so yeah, that was a frustrating enemy. But you reach a certain point in the story where they just throw exposition dump at you for like 10 minutes Mm. it feels like to introduce like the next part of the game the next like the the second half of the game essentially uh where you are like oh well i can at least narratively tell you like oh you can get to your ship and just leave Uh, of course that never actually happens but uh things happen things uh open up a bit more and you get to uh, what feels like a sprint to the end. Uh, so I'm probably approaching the point where we start working towards the end. But yeah, been enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, just wish it didn't have that whole bit where I, where they sort of say like, ah, the, the enemies are done for. Mm. Here's your new enemy you're going to face every once in a while. And it's like, this is way worse than the enemies. Uh, so that was like, oh, this this is where the game's going to get real bad now. For some mm-hmm. reason, they decided to throw out the the thing that was doing well uh, for something else. But mm. yeah, that's kind of that's kind of that. So got out of that, but not for 
losing a little bit of luster, but I'm uh, looking forward to putting some more time into that as well. So that's been pretty much it for me. Brandon, how about you? Well, um, I said on the last show that we did that, you know, I was planning on going to get a, a copy of Alan Wake Remastered because I had never played the original game and, you know, it was only $30 and, you know, I had the credit saved up to get it. So I went to GameStop earlier this week and I got a copy. Hey, hey, dumb. It's what I've been playing for the last few days. Um, and yeah, I, you can definitely see like a lot of thematic and like gameplay um, similarities to like Control, which of course is a later Remedy game. Um, but it's also very much its own thing. Um, like I, like the title says, it's a remaster, and it's pretty clear with the graphics. Like they do do a good job of giving the graphics a new sheen, um, better lighting and textures and everything. But you can still kind of tell that this was a game from the uh, Xbox 360 and PS2 era, mostly from the character animations. Um, the cinema, the cutscenes are actually just fine. They, you know, they still look kind of old, but the animation is still really good. But when you're in like actual gameplay, the actual character animations suddenly become a lot more stiff and wooden, kind of like ventriloquist dolls, to be honest. Um, but essentially what the whole game is about is you're, uh, playing this dude. And if, and for the record, if you've played, uh, all of the DLC for Control, you kind of know already how the Alan Wake story ends, but basically you're playing a guy named Alan Wake who is a writer and he's basically like a Stephen King type figure. He even quotes Stephen King at the beginning of the game, um, and uh, recently he finished up uh, his series of very popular thrillers called the Alex Casey series, which thematically and plot-wise are kind of similar to Max Payne. You know, once again, another uh, Remedy and Sam Lake project. Um, and uh, he decides, you know, he's going to end that so he can go and go on to another project, but he ends up getting hit with a two-year-long out of writer's block and so his wife Alice decides they should uh maybe go uh to a vacation out somewhere in the Pacific Northwest specifically this place called Bright Falls um co- yeah called Bright Falls Washington um where y- they are going to be vacationing in a cabin that's on a little island in the middle of a lake called Cauldron Lake that is uh takes place on a vol- on a dormant volcano. Um and then one night something or someone ends up kidnapping Alice and in his attempts to try and go after her, he ends up waking up in a wrecked car, uh having apparently lost a good week of his memory. Um and so, essentially, he starts finding a bunch of uh, pages from a manuscript called Departure that he apparently has written, but he does not remember. And the thing about these pages is 
they actually predict stuff that's going to happen further in the game. Sometimes it'll be as soon as a few minutes, or sometimes it'll be another chapter or two. But he kind of figures out that whatever it is, whoever it is that wrote this manuscript, and it seems to be him, it seems to be manipulating reality. Um, and on top of all this, uh, the force or whatever it is that is that took his um, wife, Alice, is it, it, he calls it a couple different things. It's called the darkness or the dark presence. But for whatever reason, it only comes out at night. And when it does, it can basically do one of two things. It can either possess people uh, called the Taken or it can just straight up possess objects and go full poltergeist and just start hurling crap at you. And basically your defense against these things is a flashlight and a gun. Uh, and of course, gun-wise, it can be your basic revolver or it can be a shotgun or a hunting rifle um, and also a flare gun. Now, the thing about the Taken and the enemies in this game is since they are specifically controlled by the Dark Presence, they are protected by the Dark Presence. But if you shine light on them, that protection disintegrates to the point where they're fully um, vulnerable to attack. Um, so the flare gun that you could pick up, which essentially acts kind of basically this game's uh, equivalent to like a rocket launcher, because it not only... Uh, can take out one enemy in one hit, but because, you know, it flares up like a flare, uh, it can take out a bunch of them at once. You can also come across things like regular, like, road flares that will uh, keep the enemies away from you temporarily as long as it's burning. And uh, later you even come across some flashbang grenades, which are pretty much the most powerful thing you can get in this game because it takes out a crap ton of enemies very quickly. Um but, uh, the, you know, the game itself is a lot of fun. It's really good. Um, if you remember in Control where you would occasionally come across, like, a television that would have, like, an inner universe television show, um, they do the same thing in Alan Wake. Uh, this uh, this uh, TV show that shows up a lot called Night Springs, um, which is essentially like a... Like a uh, Twilight Zone type TV show, and it's thematically important because it was Alan Wake's first writing job, was writing episodes for one of its seasons. Um, and uh, you'll occasionally come across radio broadcasts, stuff like that. Stuff that's fairly common for Remedy games now, um, that they've kind of perfected. Um, but yeah, highly recommend it. It's like it's only 30 bucks, so it's not particularly expensive, and you get, like, all the DLC and stuff that came when the game originally came out without any additional charge, so it's good stuff. Um, and I'm also still, of course, still playing Fallout New Vegas, still pegging away at that, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the Brotherhood of Steel since I'm technically still working for Mr. House. Am I going to destroy them, or am I going to end up siding with them and killing Mr. House? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, Darren, what about you? Yeah, I haven't been playing a whole lot uh, last week. I've just been really tired as of late, and um, mm -hmm. you know, with the weather, it's just weird. Um, so I have been playing a little bit of Far Cry 6 here and there. Um, I think I'm near the end now, because all I have to do is, at least according to the map, um, mm -hmm. recruit like a few more uh, people for Libertad, and then we'll, we'll probably be able to take out uh, 
the chicken man on the way there. Um, but yeah, I'm like 30 hours in. Uh, I really don't know how much is left, but it really feels like I'm 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 getting towards towards the end here. Um, I've also played a little bit of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Um, this is the first time I've uh, put it in ever since uh, um, Sephiroth was announced, and that was like last year. So mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of characters that I'm I'm getting used to now. But of course, like you know, the main event was Sora. Um, again, if if you know me, I don't really care about Kingdom Hearts, but I was definitely interested in getting my hands on Sora to try it out. And yeah, mm -hmm. um, if if you watch the um, Sakurai presents, like you know, there there, there isn't anything like you, you shouldn't know here. But the main thing is he's a he's a fighter that really uh, does his best work in the air, you know, mm -hmm. sword in the sky. So it uh, to totally makes sense. So he's 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 a really good juggling character. Uh, the thing is, like, if you get hit by one good smash attack, maybe two or three hits will probably do him in pretty well. Like if if he was hit by a by Ganondorf's um you know wizard punch, like that's it. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, his his juggling moves are pretty cool, and it's it's um, it's it's really fascinating how uh, Sakurai and his team like really makes each character feel different, and even like tries to go into the nuances about even though like at its core, every Smash character has like you know uh, a, a similar set of attacks, like you know the whether you use B and A and whatnot, and. Um, yeah, it's the same thing with here, but like, I don't know, they, ever since they introduced the actual fighting game characters in the game, it's just felt a lot different, and yeah, it's still a whole lot of fun, and that's mm -hmm. about it. Alright, so yeah, let's get to some news. Mm -hmm. uh, first up, we've got an idea of what's going on with Game Pass for the rest of the month. Mm -hmm. Here, for the uh, last week or so here, uh, at this point. Uh, let's see, available right now, there is Into the Pit which is a retro-style first-person shooter, but also roguelite, so you got that. That's console PC. Uh, let's see. Outriders for the PC is finally on PC Game Pass. Those yeah. That skip the the launch on Game Pass thing mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason. So if you've played it on Xbox or haven't, uh, you can now play it on PC Game Pass and see uh, how that is. Let's see. Also out now, there's Dragon Ball Fighters for console. Yeah. Uh, if you want to get into that sort of three v three type of fighting with uh, a lot of Dragon Ball Z and Super characters. Mm -hmm. Let's see. There's also Echo Generation. Yeah. The sort of Earthbound esque kind of a role playing game. Mm -hmm. with a little bit of like Strangers. Stranger Things, uh, Stranger Things, which but set in like the early '90s instead of the, mm -hmm. the mid '80s. So there's that. Uh, let's see, Everspace Two in preview form. Yeah, uh, I believe I got an email the day they announced this that it's not coming out to you know 1.0 mm -hmm. until 2023, which I thought was a very weird thing to do. Uh, but hey, uh, let's see, coming soon. On the 28th, which is Thursday, there's Age of Empires 4 for PC. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, yeah, Everspace 2 is also just for PC. Uh, for that, Echo Generation is also just console and PC. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, Alan Wake's American Nightmare is coming to console and PC Game Pass. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a pseudo sequel to the original Alan Wake game, but it's thematically. Yeah, it's thematically very different. <laughs> yep, so there's that. That's the 28th. 
see Backbone is coming to console game pass on the 28th. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the one that has a lot of anthropomorphic animals as characters. Starring a raccoon detective. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe that's just more of an adventure game. Mm -hmm. Post-noir adventure. So there's that. Uh, Let's see. Console and PC. There's Bass Master Fishing 2022. Mm -hmm. On the 28th. That is console and PC. So yeah, just fishing, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Also the 28th. Non-Guns. It's with a Z on the end. Mm -hmm. Doppelganger edition. Console and PC on the 28th. It's a action platformer roguelike. Mm. Yeah, so that's seems like a very weird kind of game, but there's that. And last up is the Forgotten City. Yeah. On the 28th, that's uh console PC. That is a time loop game, but set mm. in uh, a weird cursed Roman city. So you can check that out here in a few days. Yeah. So All right. Here. Uh, no, I was just mentioning some DLC and updates you can buy. So yeah, there's that. That's it. So yeah, some neat stuff there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I mentioned this earlier. No Man's Sky has Expedition Four Emergence. They're calling it. Yeah. The big event here for uh, about a month. It says there's still four weeks to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started it yesterday, so. Uh, it's running over the course of Halloween and into November. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's sort of a community event. So you start in the same planet as other people. We're going to towards the same uh, general areas as well. But, you know, there, there are other systems in between those areas. So you can kind of visit and find other stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as they say here, there's actual lore to this mm-hmm. expedition. The uh, Across the universe, planets have been blighted by the activity of Titan worms. Mm-hmm. These colossal sandworms plow through the desert sands, blacking out the sun as they arc o- overhead and defiling yep. the very terrain with their cursed dust. Yeah, and you've encountered a couple of these in the game already, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, they're constantly flying over you. Yeah. Luckily, they don't uh, crush into you or anything, but they do do some uh, a lot of uh, annoying stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that. Uh, let's see. Travels to find themselves stranded on planet Wasson, a barren mm-hmm. world ravaged by dust storms and infested by Titan worms. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to locate the Titan worm impact sites, destroy the wretched and hungering tendrils, collect the vile spawn that lingers behind, and the vessels of the many mouths must be purged, mm-hmm. as they say. As travelers cleanse planets of cursed dust, yeah, there's like deposits of cursed dust, you know, like there's copper and Mm-hmm. All these other minerals. There's cursed dust as well. And luckily, a lot of the stuff you're collecting from the uh, these planets are uh, worth a lot. So you can sell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fleshy rope and that kind of stuff is very much uh, stuff that you can sell. And I have like 15 million units at the moment. So yeah, uh, waited until I got the... I almost bought a ship that had a bunch of uh, space on it. I was like, oh yeah, I'd have to redo the 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 fuel to jump between systems. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'll get one in the next system. Uh, but yeah, you're gonna yeah, unravel the threads of a dark narrative, complete the expedition route to reveal the history of a dark cult, and ultimately confront the Atlas with evidence of this indelible stain upon the universe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've 
done a nice thing with this update. They've uh, added some more variety to the the looks of the sandworms. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch more different types of sort of mouths they have and such. So that's uh, neat, like better particle effects they've done for uh, all this kind of stuff that's happening in this ex- expedition. You get some thematic rewards. Uh, let's see. Oh, you get this like trophy of a feasting cask, grotesque mm-hmm. alien head kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As that, you can get a sandworm mount you can ride around. Mm-hmm. So you can fly around with it. So that's uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Almost kind of looks like a tremor worm mm-hmm. to it. Uh, and I guess one of the things they also just added is rails mm. uh, for your jetpack. So there's customization for that stuff. Uh, so you get one that's especially kind of what they call ghastly trail. Yeah. Uh, so that's ejects gooey fluids and tiny worms out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also get a titanic worm skull trophy. Mm-hmm. And one of the the objectives they give you is like dig up all these uh, bones that mm-hmm. are located around. You find these burial sites that have bones in them, which also sell for a lot of money. Uh, so you can get your own trophy thing you can put in your base. And also, yeah, pyrotechnic displays, but yeah. this one features more slime, plasma, and wormlets mm. getting tossed out by it. So, yeah, yeah, doing a lot of little neat stuff there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's that's well, we're checking out. You got some time here, at least uh, three more weeks or so. Yeah. All right. So next thing, uh, Bethesda has. Shown off a bit of what their next update for Eternal Doom Eternal mm-hmm. is, which is update 6.66. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that uh, hitting just before Halloween on October 26th. Yeah, that'll be the biggest free update yet because it adds the new horde mode. Yeah, as because they were going to have some bigger horde mode kind of thing, I think, with play with other people, but. They realized that was a bit too much for what they could do during the pandemic. So they pared it down to more of a arcade style mm-hmm. uh, horde mode thing, as well as adding, let's see, there's some more stuff here as well. Uh, where's it at? Yeah, Battle Mode 2.0, the new arena and streak based rewards, two new master levels, and other things as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be happening here in a few days. People still playing that. Also yeah. happening this week, there is a new state of play. Yeah. On Wednesday, October 27th mm-hmm. at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be about 20 minutes or so and focusing on announcements and updates for upcoming third-party releases for PS5 and PS4. So, yeah, no, uh, no mm-hmm. first-party stuff. But yeah. yeah, seems like it could be some pretty cool stuff coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably stuff coming out here over the next few months. That uh, horde mode for Doom Eternal is it? Did they say if it was going to be uh, online? Because I've been hearing some things to say that the horde mode, at least for the time being, is going to be offline. I think this is a solo thing. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Mm. They talk about having a lot of uh, multiplier stuff for your score and all that kind of stuff. So, mm. could be neat. If you're looking for more, just that combat. 
Uh, let's see. Coming out next month, Tunch. Tunche, I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's a game coming to Switch, Xbox One, and PC on Steam November 2nd for 20 bucks. Uh, it's a game that has a really good art style and has the Hat Kid from A Hat in Time in it as well. Yep. <laughs> they are also working on a PS4 version, but I haven't, don't have a date for that yet. Uh, so that'll be coming out here next yeah. week. Next Tuesday. Yep. That's something to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. It's a beat 'em up roguelike kind of game. Yep. So yeah, there's that. Uh, and one of the big releases for next month is Grand Theft Auto: The Trilogy, the Definitive Edition. Yes, it is. This is going to have uh, Grand Theft Auto Three, Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Um, yep, it'll be on everything. Yeah, PS4, all the Xboxes, Switch, and the Rockstar Games Launcher. Yep. So, so no Steam or anything else or Epic Game Store, but yeah, that'll be. I think it's sixty bucks at launch. It'll be out November eleventh. The yeah. physical edition, uh, which is let's see, Xbox, Switch, and PS4, mm-hmm. is December seventh. Uh, they did put out a trailer alongside this, along with screenshots to show off the uh, the upgrade in visuals, mm-hmm. which looks really nice. Uh, a lot of better character models and all that, though it does look a bit weird being more used to the PS2 models Yep. Uh, for that game to have them look a bit better, but mm-hmm. I do, I believe the controls are also more in line with what GTA 5 has mm-hmm. so should control a lot better uh, yeah. all throughout they have yeah resolution upgrades, improved visual fidelity across the world yeah like, it legitimately looks... I mean, obviously, it's not up to the graphical fidelity of GTA V, but it definitely looks really good and keeps the original spirit, so... Yep. And, yeah, they have... Let's see. Including improvements to targeting and lock-on aiming, updated weapon and radio station wheels, updated mm-hmm. mini-maps with enhanced navigation, allowing players to set waypoints to destinations, you know, achievements, trophies, all that kind of stuff. Uh, PC version has NVIDIA DLSS support, new accomplishments for Rockstar Games Social Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rebuilt lighting system, improved shadows, weather reflections, upgraded models for characters and vehicles, yep. high resolution textures. And yeah, there's a bunch of new stuff, better draw distance, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trailer is well worth uh, watching for that. Oh, yeah. It does a good job of showing that stuff off. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the interesting thing, so it's going to be out November 11th, uh, 60 bucks for all three. I think you can, I assume you can buy them separately uh, because the thing they're doing here is that it'll be the San Andreas version mm-hmm. from this is going to be on Game Pass on November 11th. The version of G, uh, GTA 3 mm-hmm. is going to be on PlayStation now starting December 7th. So if you have either of those services, you'll be able to play at least one of the three games mm-hmm. uh, early on. So you can check those out mm-hmm. and see how that looks. Um, might end up grabbing this here. Yep. So that'll be fun to see. Mm. Yep. So there's that. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. Shimagami Tensei 5 is out pretty soon, November 12th. Mm-hmm. And they seem to have a bunch of DLC 
coming oh, for yeah. it on day one. Uh, so this article has like a good explanation for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. There's Return of the True Demon DLC, which you visit the World of Shadows, which I guess is the uh, the world of uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you end up facing... Uh, let's see... Yeah, you defeat the fiends, you unlock their fusions. If you can defeat the Demi Fiend, mm-hmm. which is the main character of Nocturne, you unlock the de- Demi Fiend's essence to use in the main campaign. Seems like a lot of these take you to like a separate thing that if you complete them, you can bring back uh, potential fusions and such mm-hmm. out of it. There's a goddess in training. Are you approached by the goddess Artemis near Tokyo Tower? She's in search of a worthy training opponent. If you can successfully complete the mission, you recruit her as an ally and unlock her fusion. Uh, there's Rage of a Queen, which has uh, Cleopatra in it. Yeah. That you can earn. Mm-hmm. You do that. There's uh, in the final significant piece of launch day DLC, the Doctor's Last Witch, Wish, mm-hmm. as you're searching for a missing Bethel researcher. Uh, she finds the search. Scientist talking with Mephisto, the protagonist embarks on a new mission, and you can recruit him as an ally and unlock his fusion Mm -hmm. if you beat him. There are others. Uh, There are others for, let's see, Mitama Dance of Wealth and Mitama Dance of XP DLCs, which increase the spawn rates of rare demons that drop expensive relics or earn you XP. Yeah, the Wealth DLC makes earning Maka much easier, while the XP... Uh, DLC makes grinding much easier. So they're doing that. So there's the Matama Dance of Miracles DLC, which increases the spawn rate of rare demons that drop items to earn you glory in a more efficient manner. Mm-hmm. There is a free DLC called Safety Difficulty DLC mm-hmm. that adds an e- easier difficulty setting for anyone who has is not good at uh, RPGs or Shimagami Tensei games mm-hmm. and wants uh, something that's a little bit easier to check out. Right. They have some neat stuff there and some stuff that's for the people that want to make the game a bit easier for them. Yeah, because I can tell you, uh, traditional... Very, there, is a, there is a learning curve that is involved, and it can be rather steep for newcomers. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that, you know, um, Atlas went ahead and talked about DLC. I mean, like, well, first of all, it's, it's good that they have it, but, like... I don't know how many people will get this and will get to a point where they'll actually even, you know, get to the DLC. So, like, I know I'm going to get the game, but I I don't think I'm going to beat it. I, I, am, I am not that confident at all. Um, mm-hmm. The previews have shown it to be um, maybe a little bit more approachable, but I don't know. It's rough. Like, um, this whole release week is just weird because, uh, you know, the, the, the funny thing about the, the Grand Theft Auto games is that I, I haven't beat any of those either. Uh, not because they're they're too hard, but because like there's like there's a whole lot of shit to do. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like every release this November is going to be like full of stuff that'll prevent you from beating it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, let's see. This one doesn't have a specific date, as far as I can see. They just say mid-November. Yeah, but Microsoft has new expansion cards coming to the Xbox Series X and S. Mm-hmm. A 512 gigabit and a two terabyte. Expansion for that, the 512 gigabit is uh, going to retail MSRP for one thirty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mid November. Uh, the two terabytes 
is going to be three ninety nine ninety nine, mm-hmm. four hundred bucks for that. So it's a uh, very expensive. That'll be out early December. So kind of spread out a bit. Uh, yeah, kind of continuing the very expensive nature of these cards, which isn't yeah. too huge of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Concerning the the nature of where these uh, brand new sort of Gen Four uh, M2 SSDs, yeah, are all going for. Mm. Uh, I did just buy uh, ones with my GameStop credit because it's uh, oh, what was it? It was the one terabytes. I think the WD Black SN850. I think it was mm-hmm. that uh, was a hundred and sixty five bucks. On sale, it's on sale at that price. I think every retailer. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for one at that price, it's the one without the heat sink. So we have to also get a heat sink, which I ordered from Newegg. So I'm just waiting for that. Should we get them both by the end of this week. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'll report back hopefully next weekend. Yeah, on that stuff. Yeah, I have another one terabyte in my PS5. All of this stuff is, is is a tough buy. I mean, like, yeah, we have the high prices of storage, which is usually the case for everything that's brand new, as you mentioned, with these new iterations. Uh, the main thing, though, is that, you know, uh, not everybody is able to get their hands on next-generation consoles yet, even if they want to. So the, the, the storage solutions at this point doesn't really matter all that much to me. Um, Although I do have to admit that um, I've gotten to a point with my PS5 where I, I am deleting games left and right to, in order to fit new stuff that comes in, especially like, you know, the games from Ubisoft and whatnot. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, hopefully uh, once the, the consoles are more um, available for everyone to get, we also start to see drops in prices for the storage solutions because it's really not enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The at least being able to hold stuff in cold storage on both of them is pretty nice for uh, the stuff that you at least want to hang on and not download a bunch. But uh, luckily, my internet is pretty decent enough that I'm not too worried about downloading at least the the bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, easy enough to just throw that on, you know, before I go to work or go to bed or whatever, and it'll be ready to go in the morning. At yeah. worst, if not, uh, putting on it'll take like an hour, maybe at most, for some of the bigger games. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to having an extra terabyte of space to use for my PS5 stuff mm-hmm. instead of just constantly being like, well, I want these games around. I'm not going to play them constantly, but I'm not going to play them that infrequently that I can just delete them. Uh, so in a bit of a bind there, but the Xbox one, probably not going to buy any of these because I already have the, the one terabyte. And that was mostly due to having one of the pandemic checks and having some money to spend on that. Yeah. I was like, Oh, I'll get this. Cause that'll help out a little bit with the, how tiny the storage is on the series S. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, kind of as much as I'm going to go, at least as far as the, the internal stuff, it's still kind of a pain in the ass to manage that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are all separate storage spaces instead of finding a way to meld them together so that you know it's kind of just one bit of storage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where that's at. But if you yeah, because that five hundred twelve doesn't seem like a great idea unless you just have that much money. 
because for less than a hundred bucks, you can get the one terabyte mm. upgrade. At least from one terabyte to two, there's a bigger jump there. It's like about 180 bucks, so it's you know it's a good good uh, bit of money in there that you can probably stick with one terabyte if you can get any of those. So mm. these uh these kind of make that one terabyte seems like a much better deal. Yeah, you know it's kind of not that great of a deal mm-hmm. when I can get you know the same size for my PS5 for about was about 55 bucks less. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, at least going with the more open approach at least allows these manufacturers to make it easier to drop prices at times. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, speaking of PlayStation, they announced that they have another game coming to PC. Mm-hmm. It is God of War. Yep, coming on uh, January fourteenth, twenty twenty two. That's right. I think it's gonna I think it's gonna be forty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they also announced that the PS4 version has sold 19.5 million copies as of August 2021. Mm-hmm. It's done really well and uh, should be a good game to have on PC. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff to have true 4K, unlock mm-hmm. frame rates, uh, and all the all the options and such that you want to make the game look as good as possible. Yep. If you're if you can do it. So you'll have DLSS in there, as well as uh, you know, the reflex low latency technology from mm-hmm. NVIDIA. So more responsive game for that. And 21.9 ultra widescreen support as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's that. And uh, yeah, uh, as you would expect, people are getting mad. The games they played years ago or come to other platforms mm. that uh that's just ridiculous and stupid. But yeah. like, oh, we're gonna buy a PlayStation again, it's like so you could play this four years ago. Yeah. We're gonna text people. Move on. Yeah, you're getting the next one like next year? Mm-hmm. Ragnarok. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. Uh let's see. Also coming early next year. But it's a little bit later than you would expect it. Elden Ring has been delayed. Yeah. From I think it was January twenty the twenty first. That's yeah. gonna be out February twenty fifth. So basically a little over a month. Yeah. It'll be out a week after Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also a week after or a week week before that is Saints Row. Mm-hmm. And uh game's gonna uh I mean this th- this is from software. So I mean, you know, they they're usually really tight on the bugs department. So I'm not I'm I'm, I'm honestly let's be honest, we've been waiting for this game for a couple of years now. Um we can wait an extra month. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the the delay is like not surprising in the sense where um Honestly, um, I didn't think they'd meet that date to begin with, but mm-hmm. it also sort of like um, was a starting point for 2022 as far as like all the big games coming out. So now it's more towards the middle because as uh, Chris was hinting on, like February is pretty stacked already. Like February is looking like November. Yep. Um, but what surprises me is that um, they delayed it to February. Like normally when you have a delay of a game this big, 
it's mm-hmm. going to be at least a couple seasons. But this is just, you know, six weeks. So, um, uh, let, um, I mean, like you said, Brandon, like from software is pretty tight as far as like they're polished. So mm-hmm. um, this pretty much just tells me that, you know, the game is pretty much where it needs to be. They just need to make sure that they're just working on the, the final kinks out. Yeah. And yeah, like I, I have no reason to believe that this will be another cyberpunk. But yeah, um, yeah it's, 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 it's looking solid so far. Um, the the thing about where it's delayed too, I'm wondering like what kind of overlap you see with their, um, with their clientele, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we said, like this is one of the most hyped games in a while. The George R R Martin will, uh, will will sell itself. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And uh, just be just be clear here. When it comes to a Souls like game, um, yeah, making sure you've got the bugs ironed out is priority number one <laughs> because. These types of games are difficult enough on their own. Um, but when this type of precision and patience is required, you really want to make sure that you've got all your I's dotted and your T's crossed before you put this thing out into the wild. Yeah. And it seems like they are working on that as they announced a closed network test. Mm-hmm. That you could sign up for happening here uh, between November 12th and the 14th. They have different sessions there. Mm-hmm. So people that get in will have opportunities to play it and test out the network stuff. Yeah. So they can uh, make sure at least that end of it is in as good a shape as possible for the launch. Yeah. Because this thing's going to sell like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, like, Bloodborne sold like $2 million, um, Yeah. And, you know, the... You don't really expect the front software game to sell gangbusters, um, but this one probably should be the most successful one. Yeah. Even the fact that it's also multi-platform. Yep. Yep. But yeah, also getting delayed is Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp mm-hmm. uh, from its early December dates, which I'd always thought was like, oh, this is just getting out there as late as possible mm-hmm. in the year. And yep, they've delayed it. But not to a specific date, just spring 2022. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the kind of the delay. This is the kind of delay I thought we'd get for Elden Ring. Um, mm-hmm. But no, this is a pretty substantial delay on a game that's pretty much like, is it a remake? Is it a port? I don't know yet. But you know, these games have already like you know been re-released a couple times, and uh, yeah. So I wonder what Nintendo is actually working on, or either that, or they just wanted to put it out at a better time. Yeah, I don't know. I would have thought December would be good for them because everybody else is getting out of late uh, November and early December. Yeah. But if they're delaying it, then that means something must be going on. Because uh, they wouldn't uh, get out of the way of anybody else, really. Nope. They didn't have to. Yeah, I mean, they're they're pushing it to the beginning of their, what, their, their financial year. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so that'll be out at some point next year. Yeah, but still a ways off. Kind of dampens their fall a little bit. Mm-hmm. I have that as a closer. Though I think the or the brain training game they've got is also coming out around then. So mm-hmm. that one might still hit. But yeah, that's a uh, that's a bit disappointing there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, complain uh, continuing the delay train here. Yeah, CD Projekt Red announced that the next-gen upgrades for Cyberpunk 2077 and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt have been delayed. Mm-hmm. 
I believe Cyberpunk's is now slated for the first quarter of 2022. Yeah. And The Witcher 3 is the like, Q2 2022. Mm-hmm. They are hoping to get both out. And obviously, at this point, if you're not done, uh, you're probably not coming out anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's disappointing, uh, especially because uh, Cyberpunk needs it. For these yes, new consoles, are still <laughs> stuck on the old versions that are running a little bit better mm-hmm. as a result of being on the, the newer hardware. But uh, people would still like the ability to see like the potential of that thing on the mm-hmm. new hardware. And The Witcher 3 could use some extra boost on that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. I think it's the fact that Cyberpunk needs it. Um, that proves that you know this delay needed to happen because you know at at this point with all the hype that Cyberpunk had like it's it's more or less a punchline now mm. and CD Projekt Red only has themselves to blame like they should have delayed this a long time ago and it's tough seeing them like do it on um, next gen um, because you know um, Honestly, the, the 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 previous generation version should shouldn't have come out in the first place. So it's good to see that there's a little bit of focus there. And honestly, <clears throat> from a sales point of view, you know, you want to make sure that people get it on, on your new platform, and not everybody has it yet. So mm-hmm. on them, and yeah, they should take all the time they need because uh, I'm pretty sure they don't want any more bad press for this title. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So. You have to wait a little while longer on those games mm-hmm. to get them in as good a condition as they could be on the consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, that wasn't all the news they had this week. They also announced that they had purchased the Molasses Flood, the yep. studio that made The Flame and the Flood. Yep, back in 2016. That's uh, Or was it earlier? It might have been earlier than that. Uh I think it was a few years ago. Yeah, it was like a, it was like one of those uh, first round of uh, indie Kickstarter game successes. Um, and yeah, it, it, I mean, it was pretty good. It, I mean, it was very much a indie project, and it showed. But it was definitely fun for what it was, and it had that great uh, soundtrack by Chuck Hagen. Um, yeah, thematically, it goes pretty well with CD Projekt Red, so. Yeah. And those are veterans of the, like, Bioshock team that made that game. Yep. Uh, so they get uh, a bit more of a bigger platform here as a part of CD Projekt Red. Mm-hmm. And being one of their, be their first acquisition. Yep. I don't think they purchased anybody else. No. Nope. But if they're not going to invested into making sure their games are ready for launch. Mm-hmm. Might as well invest in a studio that could do that. Yeah. With its own game. So I assume they're working on something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, they say the studio will be working on one of CD Projekt's IPs, although it will retain its own identity and won't merge with any existing teams mm-hmm. in CD Projekt. So that's good. They'll be able to work on something but not be uh, losing their their team name or anything like that. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not really an acquisition here, but Epic Games has announced that they've signed some publishing deals with the studios Spry Fox and Eyes Out. Mm-hmm. Eyes Out is particularly an interesting studio because you probably never heard of them. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they are founded by Nine Inch Nails guitarist Robin Fink. Yep. Who sort of signed a kind of like a first look deal, I guess, with uh, Epic Games to sort of fund the, their ability to make like a a pitch uh, mm-hmm. for a proper deal. And it seems like that went well enough that Epic signed them on for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure who else is at Eyes Out, but yeah, he's one of the founders there. Yeah. Bright Fox is the team that made uh, Cozy Grove mm-hmm. earlier this year. I'm not sure. I think they've done a few other things. I'm going to double check. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They made Triple Town. Uh, the Alpha Bear games, Road oh. Not Taken for the close to the PS4's launch. Yeah, they've done a plenty of bunch of cool stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all focused on like bears, yeah. generally. So they're working on something new as well. Mm. So yeah, they I guess also part of this whole process. Epic says that if you know they don't pick up the the game studio after the pitch, they the developer gets to keep the full IP ownership and uh, rice to all the stuff they worked on so they could continue working on it and pursue other publishing opportunities. So mm-hmm. pretty risk-free uh, kind of op- uh, opportunity there. Mm. Okay. Yeah. It's Robert Robin Fink and developer Corey David who worked on spec ops, the line mm. uh, as they describe it as a multi-platform single player cosmic horror game. Yeah, that sounds, uh, Right up my alley. <laughs> yep. The Spry Fox game is described as a multi-platform, non-violent MMO. Which it seems like what they would make. Oh, yeah, that sounds right up their alley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which means they could probably expand what they did with Cozy Grove and make more of a uh, a bigger budget sort of Animal Crossing uh, competitor. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's got more of the MMO stuff to it. Mm-hmm. So we know Animal Crossing doesn't do online very well. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do not. So if they could, I mean, if they could pull this off, they could basically be like a real contender towards uh, Animal Crossing and that whole community. So, yeah, yep. So let's get uh, let's get continuing on this acquisition train. NetEase has acquired Grasshopper Manufacturer. Mm-hmm. It's a bit weird because I was like, wait, Grasshopper's already owned. And they were. They were owned by, uh, what is it here? Gung-Ho Online Entertainment. Yeah. They've been owned by them since 2013, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, in this whole process, they are being uh, sold off to NetEase. Mm-hmm. That uh, will hopefully give them more opportunity to work on more stuff. Yeah, because Grasshopper is probably one of the more eccentric and idiosyncratic developers in the industry. And as long as we can keep them in existence, I'm happy. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't seem like the the No More Heroes games have really done all that well for them. Mm -hmm. But they've done a lot of interesting stuff like Let It Die... Yeah, uh, they did those sort of uh, ports of Killer is uh, Killer Seven and some of these other games they've done. They also did Okami, which is 
you know, big, big deal. <laughs> that was Platinum. Oh, right. Yeah. This was the team that did, like, Lolly Chop, Lollipop Chainsaw. Oh, right. That's right. Sorry, I'm confusing them. Shadows of the Damned. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did the Wii Fatal Frame game with mm-hmm. Tecmo Nintendo. Flower, Sun, and Rain, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Been around since 1999, so... Oh, yeah, they've been around a long-ass time. Yep, been around for over 20 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Kind of wild. But, yeah, that's uh, that's what's happening with them. Let's see. That is uh, that is it for the acquisition stuff, so let's talk about some other stuff here. The Steam Deck, I believe, is supposed to be coming out in December at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever they get those first models finished and shipped out. Um, mm. That won't be for too much longer here. Uh, but they did announce something interesting, that they are going to have an internal team that will essentially go and check uh, every single game on Steam mm. for to make sure they work properly on the Switch and have like three diff- or four different uh, markers they can put on games pr- pages to say, like, this fully works. Uh, there's like an I that says like some functionality is not accessible using the default controller configuration. So you'd have to use the touchscreen or virtual keyboard or has mm-hmm. missing or inaccurate controller glyphs. So you may have to do some work with the, the custom controller stuff mm-hmm. to make it run well. Uh, but it'll have different markers that it can put down and be like, oh, you know, the text works pretty well on this screen. You know, the graphics work well. Uh, SteamOS does fine with this game. No bugs or anything. Mm. All that kind of stuff, which is a hell of a feat to try to accomplish. I believe they're hiring a lot of people to work on this thing. Yeah. Uh, because it's like 10,000 plus games and probably at least two or 3,000 of them are hentai games. And probably a few more thousand that are just porn, straight porn games. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of work to go for them, but hopefully mm. it works out because this is the thing that's uh, I very much was concerned about. I was like, there's a lot of games with a lot of weird things going on that just because more recent games that are built for versatility for modern mm-hmm. OSs and all that doesn't mean all the games that have been on there, you know, since 2004 mm. or whatever since then uh, have that kind of versatility. All right. So hopefully, hopefully this works out. Which you'll be able to check out on the, the games pages. Yep. That uh, how well the compatibility is because it's going to be a lot of games going to have like oh this text is uh, hard to read. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully at that point, you know, a lot of the games will have like options where you can change the size of the text. So. Yeah, we'll see. A lot of these older games, I don't think are going to get updated yeah. at all. Unfortunately, but hopefully they were uh, forward-thinking back in there, back when they were making them. But they're going to be plenty. They're going to be a bit rough on it. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh yeah, the Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes came out, and yeah. as is tradition, at the end of those, uh, yeah. they give a teaser for the next game. Yeah, the Devil and that, Me. Yeah, the next one is called the Dark Pictures Anthology: The Devil and Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, labeled as the season one finale. Yep. Uh, and that'll be out sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
They're kind of having like a season format to this. Well, I mean, in hindsight, the, it is very much presented like a TV show. You know? Yeah. You know, there's basically... There's the opening, the prologue, and then you get the opening with the caretaker, um, who basically is like the host. And, uh, you know, occasionally you get not really commercial breaks, but breaks in between to sort of a go of what all your choices have been and stuff. So, yeah, the idea of it sort of being like a season makes sense. Yeah. But you got to hand that they've kind of created a fairly profitable niche in the gaming world. So... Yeah, it'll be this. Be neat to see more of this next one and how how it turns out next year. Mm-hmm. This I think it'll be next year. They've been doing these pretty much yearly. Yeah, that new one has some interesting casting choices. Uh, Ashley Tisdale's in it. Mm-hmm. Is maybe not a person you would expect to be in a game where the at least at the starts it features a lot of people in the military. Mm-hmm. So that's a bit interesting the way that goes, but that's mm. uh neat to see. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Also being announced here is the new game from the creator of Stardew Valley, Concerned Ape. Yep. Uh, it's called Concerned Ape's Haunted Chocolatier. Yeah. It's uh, basically you're a dude running a chocolate factory, more or less. Um, like that. Uh, it's interesting that he puts his sort of online name in it. Mm-hmm. It's like a branding thing, but it has a very similar art style, but a bit more spooky because you're running like a chocolate shop inside of a haunted castle. Yeah. For some reason, you decide to do that. Uh, there are ghosts and candy. Uh, to make those confections, you'll head out into a fantastical world where you hunt down ingredients and kill creatures. Uh, but yeah, instead of tending to a farm, you're kind of... Uh, Chopping up shrub beasts and whacking mean birds to make chocolate. Mm-hmm. And yeah. He, uh, he mentions that, you know, he's been kind of vague of what this game is going to play like and all that because, you know, he doesn't want to lock himself down to any specific mechanics or focuses because it could very well change. Yeah, he doesn't want uh, he doesn't want people who are going into this who are Stardew Valley players thinking this is going to be another Stardew Valley basically. Yeah. He's wanting, smart show, I, he's wanting to show people, look, I can do other types of gangs instead of, you know, the sort of laid back farming simulator. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a, a neat thing. Looking so when I saw the trailer is. for this game, like, obviously I had a lot of Stardew Valley vibes, but like, is this a single player narrative? Like, what is this supposed to be? I think it's the, the part of it he's not necessarily talking about too much, but yeah. I think it's going to be still like a single player thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You're kind of running this, this shop. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's still going to very much be a uh, single player experience, but yeah, I just. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, though, like, it looks great. The elevator pitch is fine. It's just, you know, no one really knows what it is, but it looks cool. Yeah. Yep. There's not even a date or platforms or anything yet. I assume it'll probably launch on PC whenever it's ready and then come to consoles after that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for the time being, he just wanted to announce. And he's working on this weird game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a uh, there's that to look forward to in the future. Yeah, and now we got to get into the doo doo. Yep, it's uh, part seven of our major Activision Blizzard coverage. Yeah, uh, the first thing here is kind of a thing that we've been anticipating 
for a while that they are changing the name of Overwatch's Jesse McCree mm-hmm. to Cole Cassidy. Yep, because uh, McCree, of course, is named after one of the original producers that has now left because of uh, some rather nasty accusations about sexual harassment in Activision Blizzard uh, and behavior that he has been involved with. So, And yeah, this uh, they introduced this name as a bit of a lore thing, mm-hmm. as I believe they've also delayed introducing more lore about Jesse McCree as a result of this name change that they announced a few months ago. So uh, there's that to it that is at least uh, pretty neat to kind of describe as, let's see, the first thing a renegade loses is their name. This one gave up his long ago, kind of weirdly referencing the person he's named after. Mm. Uh, running from his past meant running from himself, and each passing year only widened the divide between who he had been and what he had become. But in every cowboy's life, there comes a time where he has to stop and make a stand. Mm-hmm. To make this new Overwatch better, to make things right, he had to be honest with his team and himself. The cowboy he was rode into the sunset, and Cole Cassidy faced the world at dawn. Mm. Which also has vibes of like, you know, when transgender people come out and announce their new name and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so there's plenty of people like, oh, I'm just going to call him Jesse McCree. It's like, sure. Uh I will admit it's going to take a little while for the name to stick. Yeah. You know, it's, he has been McCree for, since the game's launch. He's Five one, years. Yeah. I mean, he's one of the most iconic characters in the, in the game. So yeah. it's going to take a little while. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I do like the way they did it. You know, they, they did it as part of the lore and the story. I'll, I'll honestly, sounds pretty interesting. Like I would hope that, uh, they're planning another animation short to delve deeper into it because this is pretty awesome. Um, I don't really know much about this new name. It, it, it sounds pretty cowboyish, so that's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's still yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm also wondering what this does for uh, any merchandise that still has McCree's name on it. Like this, this means it increases in value. I have no idea. I'd, I'd love to sell some shit, but uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. Yep. So there's that. Uh, yeah, he's already he's going to be officially having that name, I assume, through in-game updates as of October 26th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we talked about that uh, whole thing with the uh, EEOC settlement that Activision Blizzard had, that California's uh, DFEH, Department mm-hmm. of Fair and Equal Housing, had issues with and filed... Uh, uh, filed some papers to sort of be able to speak up on their own behalf mm-hmm. with concerns about uh, it's impeding their own trial. Then the EOC fired back, accusing them of ethical shenanigans because two of the lawyers working on California's case is, uh, came from the EOC case. Mm-hmm. All that kind of weird stuff. And it seems like at the point where we're at, Activision Blizzard has taken advantage of all this. Because of course they fucking would. Yeah, they have now used those claims to call for a stay in proceedings in its mm. own case with the DFEH. Ugh. Activision Blizzard, Blizzard also require requests that if the claims are found to be true, that the DFEH be disqualified from its own trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of their evidence and argument resembles the oppositions made by the EOC, including the claim that the DFEH's entire investigation 
be tainted by the potential ethics violations. The motion was also filed ex parte, which meaning that could potentially skip the standard legal process on account of its urgency. This comes after the FEH's own attempt at an ex parte, ex parte uh, intervention, which was denied by the courts. Mm. Uh, they also argue that the DFEH should be disqualified on account of its communications with Activision Blizzard employees regarding their rights to external counsel. The company alleges that the DFEH warned employees against finding their own lawyers in favor of cooperating with the DFEH's own investigation. Mm. Uh, yeah, with two alleged ethics violations under its belt, both of which could disqualify the agency should the judge grant the stay of proceedings. Uh, yeah, things may not be looking good for the DFEH. Yeah. And this may end up being its own worst case scenario that could allow Activision Blizzard to get out of all of this with very little financial or uh, major punishments of any kind. Yeah. Because of course this would, of course this is what they would do. Um, yeah. They would use these slimy tactics to be able to get out of it. We've shown, I mean, we already saw the way that they were treating this when this whole thing blew up in the first place, that they could not be trusted. And, well, here you go. Yep. So, that's unfortunate, uh, but we do have some kind of good news here. Kind of, but yeah. Yeah. As they say here, more than 20 Activision Blizzard employees have, quote-unquote, exited from the company over... Uh, these harassment claims, mm-hmm. as they say, the chief compliance officer, Fran Townsend, who has also been involved in the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, saying it doesn't matter what your rank is, what your job is. If you committed some sort of misconduct or you're a leader who has tolerated a culture is not consistent with our values. We're going to take action. Mm-hmm. Saying that the wake of the lawsuit becoming public, more than 20 individuals have exited Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. While more than 20 individuals faced other types of disciplinary action. And obviously did not name any of the employees affected. Mm-hmm. So at least some of the people are gone. Oh, yeah, I mean, at least some of them have been purged. I just wish it wasn't. It's just, it's not nearly good enough. It's it's not the one that should leave. I mean, there, there's no. a bunch that should leave, and there's definitely a bunch that still, you know, shouldn't be there. But there's one guy that we're looking for, and he's still there. So. Yeah, he has not made any no any plans known if he's leaving or not. But yeah, the fish rots from the head down, and as long as he's still up there, you know the issues will continue. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate, but at least some changes happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be nice to know sort of what people these were, what mm-hmm. positions they had. To see sort of how uh, how highly these people were in the company, how high they their mm-hmm. positions were. Yeah, like it was just a bunch of low 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 uh, tier people. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's probably not getting to the root of things. Yeah, but that's yeah. already kept in house. Mm-hmm. Unless it's able to be used as a you know a talking point like this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is a. Uh, that is that for this week. Yeah. But we'll be back next week with a whole new slate of news. Yeah. As uh, it'll be Halloween next week, so we'll be uh, doing some trick-or-treating podcasting here. 
Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, thank you to Brandon Danred for joining this week. Always. Uh, we will be back next week with a, as I said, a new slate of news. And if you enjoy the show, feel free to let those around you know mm-hmm. about it. Encourage them to check it out. We would love to have more people uh, listening to the show. Yes, tell your friends, tell your enemies. They may hate you, but they may like us. Yeah, and uh, that'll be it for this week. Mm -hmm. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you all next week. Have a good one.